friends, I'm Christine Chappell, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, I chat with Jenny Lynn Sweat about her book, Singleness Living Faithfully. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help, where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Now, before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Jenny Lynn Sweat is the Director of Adult Ministries at Restoration Community Church in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey there, Jenny Lynn. Thanks so much for joining us for the show today. I'm so glad to be here. Well, before we get started on talking about your brand new book for the PNR Publishing 31 Day Devotionals for Life series, which is on the topic of singleness, living faithfully, I would love for you to spend a few minutes just to share why you wanted to write a devotional on this topic. Yeah, so I am uh, about to turn 40. I have never been married. And um, throughout my adulthood, really, um, I have been wrestling with being single. I've always wanted to be married. And um, that's something that, um, you know, growing up, I, I didn't necessarily think I would get married, you know, before college or right when I graduated, but thought that, you know, probably by the time I'm like 25, I'll be married. And that was kind of what I felt uh, prepared for by what I had been taught growing up in the church. And so as I got into my 20s and, um, you know, was not getting married as the Lord was not uh, bringing that about, really started to have questions about singleness, um, really started to look for guidance on singleness, um, even as more and more of my friends were getting married, even as typically the the pastors that I sat under, the uh, mentors that I had and, and good friends that I had were people who had been married and, and many of them married from a young age. And so I really felt a lack of resources and guidance and help on the topic of singleness. And so that's something that the Lord had really placed a burden on me over the past several years to, to, to write and, and talk and be thoughtful about singleness. And so when PNR offered me the opportunity to um, write a book on singleness for this series, I was, I was so encouraged, first of all, that they saw the need for a book on this topic in the series and um, was really eager to offer my contribution um, and being able to, to apply some of the writing and thinking I'd already done on the topic to this format. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading this particular book, and I appreciated the statement you made right in the introduction. You say, no one ever mentioned the possibility that marriage may not be on the near horizon. Being single was, effectively, just the period of waiting and preparing to find a husband and get married. And then you go on to say that sometimes your singleness felt like a problem that needed to be solved or even a disease that needed to be cured. Your honesty and transparency in just kind of describing what the experience of singleness is, I thought was just, um, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you sharing in that way. And I think that it helps the reader. At least it helped me, even though I I have not experienced singleness. Um, But I know people who have, and I think that just your tone and approach, um, just is engaging and empathetic for the person who is walking through that. So thank you so much for 
for writing it in that way. Now, I want to have us take a look because you begin the devotional by opening up on the topic of identity. And you write, quote, when my married peers find so much of their identity in being spouses and in many cases, parents, it can feel hard to know who I am or where I fit. So why is the topic of identity an important one to consider when discussing singleness? I think that the topic of identity is an important one to begin with for really anything that we are talking about in the life of a Christian. I think that is the starting point for all of us is reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ. But I think especially with the topic of singleness, there can be a real difficulty in knowing how do I identify myself? How do I talk about myself? Especially when I'm in community with a lot of people who are married, who are parents. Frequently, when I am talking to new people at church, one of the first questions that they ask me is, oh, so where, where's your husband? Or are those your kids? And you know, conversation kind of gets stalled when I say that I do not have a husband or that those are not my children. And, and so I think, especially as we grow, continue into adulthood and the years go by, it can be harder to know how do I interact? How do I engage with people who identify themselves so much by who they're married to or who they parent when I don't have that identity marker? But that is to forget that really we all have the same common identity as children of God. And that that is what is most important about who I am. That is what will never change about who I am, even as other aspects of my identity will change throughout my life of what my job title is or where I live, what, what team I cheer for. Um, you know, those kinds of things will change throughout life. Um, the nicknames that people who know me have for me will change. And even for those who are married, they were not always a husband or wife. And for many, they will once again not be husband or wife if they lose a spouse to death or to divorce. And so there, we need to focus on the piece of our identity that is going to be consistent throughout all of our life and even into eternity is that we are children of God and that that is what is most important about who we are. So that's got to be our foundation for any conversation about how to live the Christian life. Yeah, I appreciate you just mentioning the fact that, you know, and I remember having a conversation with someone, but I don't remember who it was, but someone who had been a widow. And I think that she would just had mentioned when you are married, and especially if you have been married for a really long period of time, it doesn't really come onto the radar to think that you may end up being the surviving spouse and having to then again, enter into a period of singleness where maybe you haven't had that in decades. And so maybe just real briefly in the devotional, you, you say that this devotional is not only for those who are young and perhaps waiting to get married, but there are different kinds of reasons why people may be in a season or a life of singleness. Yeah. So I write as someone who I would say I, I'm experiencing extended singleness and unwanted singleness. Like I would like to be married. That is something that has always been a longing of mine and that I still long for, but there are a variety of experiences, singleness. There are people 
like me who are experiencing extended singleness long into adulthood who do not have a particular desire for marriage. Um, some who would probably even say that they feel a distinct call to be single and to remain single. There are folks who are single who um, are single because they are being faithfully celibate, even though they may have same-sex desires and, and would would desire a same-sex relationship, but to be faithful to God's call on their life are pursuing celibacy. There are also those who have been married and are single again by um, either by death or by divorce. And something that I think we don't really want to think about is that in the case of any marriage, one spouse is going to be single again for some length of time. So, you know, some spouses, there may be that mercy if they, they die in close succession to one another, but there's still going to be for, for one of those spouses, a time of wrestling with what it means to be a widow or a widower. And I think there are some ways in which that experience is very different from what I experienced, but I think we actually have a lot in common. And the same is true for those who are divorced, that there are some unique aspects to what comes with divorce and unique grief, unique struggles and challenges that come with that when your former spouse is still alive and still in, in some way possibly present in your life. Um, but there is a lot of commonality there still. I also would love to invite you to share, and you asked the question of the reader to reflect on this in the book. So I was going to take your question and turn it on you and have you answer it. But yeah, but you asked, and so I would like to ask you, what are some platitudes related to your singleness that have been frustrating or harmful to you? Yes, I think the ones that are most difficult for me are, I, I hear often things along the lines of you deserve to be happy or God wants you to be happy. And the other one um, that comes up in, in kind of various forms is I know God has someone great in mind for you. And it's platitudes that come from a very well-meaning place and a place of, of love and optimism and hope that I, I appreciate and am grateful for. But the reality is that God doesn't promise me that kind of happiness. And we also don't know that God has someone great in mind for me. That is not something that that person, if that person telling me knows that they are some kind of prophet that we did not know is walking around the earth right now, uh, but they, they don't know. And, and to say that, and to speak that, even though it's out of love is not actually pointing me to the truth of how God is working. And that's, that is what I need from people. I need, I need truth and I need, I need love and I need hope and optimism, but I need truth more than those platitudes. So alternatively then, what does God offer to singles instead of platitudes? Yeah, I think that God does offer and want happiness for us. I think he wants us to have lives that are full of the joy of the Lord. And I think that that looks different for each of us and that looks different in each season. And that doesn't mean that life is going to be sunshine and rainbows, but that means that, that as we see him work, as we see him provide, as we 
sense and are assured of his presence with us and his love for us, that we experience that joy of the Lord. And that is something that even though we are promised hardship, we are promised that suffering will be a part of this life. We know that the joy of the Lord is our strength in that. And so that is something that, that I can cling to, that I know that I can ask for and, and expect him to give me joy in doing and being obedient to what he has asked me to do in the life that he's asking me to live. And I also know that he will supply all of my needs. And so that means that if he is not supplying a husband for me, that is not something that he sees that I need right now. And he is not depriving me. He is not holding back something that is good, um, but he he is giving me what I need in his wisdom. And he knows better than I do what it is that I need. You also write uh, on day seven of the devotional that quote, singleness presents particular challenges and opportunities when it comes to fulfilling our roles as members of the body. So can you briefly explain what those particular challenges and then opportunities are? Yes, I think the biggest challenge for single folks engaging with the church is that we so often feel like we don't fit. Uh, We may look at a church's programming schedule and see all sorts of things that are tailored towards families and couples, and there's a marriage retreat over here, and there's a family event here. I remember even, you know, my church does a retreat every fall for the whole church, and it is wonderful and one of my favorite things. And it used to be called the family retreat. And they called it that to indicate church family. But I took that to mean this is not for me because I am not part of a biological family. Um, So that's something that we have have since changed our language on that. But um, there are all sorts of little indicators that make us question whether we really fit, whether we really matter, whether we really have a place in the church. And with that, I think when we are asking questions and struggling with things that maybe aren't getting addressed or talked about in the church, if the sermons we're hearing are all applications about how to treat your spouse, or um, if there are just things that are not being, being acknowledged or talked about in various aspects of the church, church can be a really isolating place for us. Um, and so it can be hard to know how to engage, how to keep showing up um, if people aren't reaching out if people aren't acknowledging that we are seen and known and and cared about and that the church is seeking to disciple us just as it's seeking to disciple folks who are married and folks who are parents. Um, so that's the that's the big challenge. Um, I think the opportunity though comes and, and I write about this in um, day seven's devotional that we have a really unique um, need an opportunity for interdependence in the church. Um, That because I have certain relational needs that someone who has a spouse or children um, may not have in quite the same way, all need people, we all need relationship, um, but I have a, a little bit more of a, a space, a, a gap for that than, than I would if I were married or if I had kids. Um, and so there is a way in which I can depend on and lean on the church community and that I can offer myself to the church community 
in a way that I wouldn't be able to if I had a, fan, a husband and kids that I was responsible for and needed to prioritize. Um, so there's an availability, there's a presence, um, there's an interdependence that that the church really, really is my family. Not only not just in a spiritual sense where we say that as kind of a nicety of being part of a church, but no, really, this is my family. Um, when I say that when I make a vow to the babies in our church, we, we baptize babies in our church. And when I make a vow to those kids, I take seriously that they are part of my life. And, and I have a hand in helping to raise those kids and support their parents. And, and that is something that um, I hope and pray is, is a blessing to my church family. Um, and I think it's something that as I see that with other single folks too, um, I was talking with a single friend the other day who's at a bit of a transition point in his life. And he said, you know, I'm not anxious about it because I know I have the church. And even if a job doesn't pan out, even if, you know, I have to move to a new place, whatever might happen, I know I have the church. So I'm not worried. And that is exactly how it should be. And that is exactly would be my hope for, for really everyone, but especially for single folks to know that the, the church is the place where I am known and safe and cared for and a place to which God provides for me. Yeah, that, that's just so key. I'm really thankful that you, you know, included the opportunities and not just the challenges, because I know just even in today's church culture, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the tendency to be consumers, you know, so to, 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 to say that we belong to a particular church, but in reality, we're, we're more consuming from the church than contributing to, to it. And um, so I appreciate that you offer that perspective of, you know, there are contributions that everyone every part of the body of Christ and every part is necessary, right? In order to function well, you talk about that in the devotional. And so, um, yeah, just that, that gentle reminder for those who are walking through a, a season of singleness that they are still needed. They have value to contribute. And then the idea even of, you know, like you mentioned that we have spiritual children through the investing into lives of those in our local church. And so anyway, yeah, this really great, great stuff there. Thank you. I saw, that as I was reading that you introduced the language of lament into this 31 day devotional. And that is a particular soft spot for me. I, I love when people are talking about the language of lament. And so I wondered if you might share a few examples of how lament has helped you thus far on your singleness journey. Yes. Yeah. I, for me, I'm, I'm with you. I think lament is one of the key aspects of the Christian life and something that, that we need to make space for and in our churches and in our personal relationship with the Lord. One of the, the big things for me in terms of things that I lament is the disappointment and the grief that comes with singleness of really the moments where I say to the Lord, this is not what I wanted. This was not what I was expecting. This is not where I thought that I would be. I got together this past weekend with three couples that I was in a community group with. And the last time we were all together was 10 years ago. And I remember as I was preparing for this trip thinking, man, I really thought that if if I thought about what it would look like when we got together 10 years from now, 
I really would have figured I was bringing a husband with me when we all got together again. And so to bring that before the Lord and to just say, God, I'm really sad. I don't like this. This is not what I would choose. And I don't understand. I don't understand, you know, wrestling with him and, and talking to him about, you know, I, I, I wish that you would just take this desire away from me if it's not something that you were going to provide, but it's, the desire is still here and it's still not being fulfilled in the way that I would want it to be. And so really just being honest about that before the Lord, um, pouring out my heart to him. I love that that scripture gives us that language of pouring out, pouring out our hearts before God of all of my longings are before you and letting him know that and see that. And um, sometimes then just putting it there. That is all it is. It's just putting it there, talking to him about it. And it doesn't necessarily make it feel better. It doesn't make it go away, but it is better to be talking to him about it and to be putting that in front of him than for me to be trying to hide it or bottle it up or numb it away. Right. Yeah. I love you wrote when talking about what lament is, you say it's wrestling with God until we come to rest in him. I wish we could talk about every page of this particular section of the book. I just want the listener to know there's a whole section in this devotional that focuses on the grief and the mourning and the loneliness and the heartbreak. I I just, and even you have a a day that talks about the empty womb and empty arms. And so we can't, we don't have time to go into all of those, but definitely check out the devotional because I, I, they are included. But there was one other day in this section of the book where you introduced the term ambiguous loss. And you say that when you first learned about it, that it was like a light bulb had went off for you. So perhaps we might spend a few moments discussing what ambiguous loss is and what it might look like in the context of singleness. Yes. So ambiguous loss is a sense of grief or loss, not when a person has died, but when either someone is still living, but is deeply changed. So uh, ambiguous loss, I believe was originally um, began to be discussed with those who are caring for someone with dementia. And that person is still physically alive, but maybe drastically changed from who they were or really not mentally and relationally may be gone in gone from, from the relationship in some ways. And there's a sense of grief and loss in that, but there can also be ambiguous loss when a person is absent who we long to be present, even if they are a hypothetical person. <laughs> um, so that there actually is ambigu- there actually is a sense of loss for me in not having a husband, even though I have never had a husband. There's that sense of grief over the empty seat at the table. And when I learned about this, it really was, it really was a light bulb moment and also gave me a sense of permission or validation of this sense of loss that I felt that it felt like it, it, do I even have a right to grieve or feel a sense of loss or feel like something's missing when I am not a widow? I am not, um, I have never had a husband. I haven't experienced this. I don't know what it's like really to have a person in that seat next to me. But ambiguous loss is that grief that comes with the empty seat. 
Oh, well, I was just going to say, so that being said, how does God comfort those who find themselves mourning in that way? I think he, I think he sees the mourning and he sees the grief of it. And he is a God who comforts those who mourn. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I think that he tends to this wound as well. He tends to the wound of ambiguous loss. And there are times when he does that through other people and where it is enough that the table is mostly full. And when that, when that is enough and when I don't feel the sense of that empty chair. Um, but there are times when that empty chair is, is very visible, is very present. And in those times, I think God comes and, and sits with me in that. And um, here's, here's my laments and my cries in that and acknowledges and, and cares for that that he is not, that's not something that he would brush away or say, buck up, you know, get over it. But he really validates and tends to that grief, just as he tends to the grief of someone who has lost a spouse or someone who has dealt with any other kind of, of loss and grief that we experience in this life. You have another day entitled Preaching to Our Self-Pity, and that stood out to me. (laughs) And so I wanted to be sure that we talked about it. Um, It definitely caught my eye. So will you share why preaching to our self-pity is a key skill for singles to learn and practice? Yes, I think that preaching to our self-pity is a key skill for any believer to practice, but I think that self-pity really thrives in isolation. And because we as single people tend to experience isolation maybe more often than some others do, I think that can be a real breeding ground for self-pity. And so I think that's why it was important for me to talk about it here. Um, Actually, when I was writing that particular day, Um, I had very recently had conversations with two other single women who were just really in the throes of that self-pity spiral and were feeling alone, feeling like no one cared, feeling like no one, there was, there was no hope. And there was just the sense of despair, um, that, that was set off, you know, maybe by not getting invited to something or, you know, it was, and, and as I was listening to the two of them and in separate conversations, I was recognizing it in myself too and realized that um, I was feeling that same thing of, oh, I got left out of something or, oh, I didn't, I didn't get included or this person didn't check in with me. And that really does just like send me into that spiral and leaves me really um, doubting the Lord's goodness and provision. Um, and also leaves me disconnecting from my community um, in a way that is not helpful to myself or to anyone. And so I think we need to name the issue of self-pity because it can be a tricky thing to see kind of the line between lament, between very valid feelings of hurt and pain and disappointment um, and fear and and just self-pity when it really is just woe is me. I'm going to curl into a ball and not let anyone touch me and ignore God, you know, push him out. Um, And so that's, we need to be aware of that. We need to 
know when we're tempted towards that or when we're vulnerable to it and know how to think about um, calling to mind. The, the verse for that day is from Lamentations and the writer of Lamentations says, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. And so sometimes we need to actually call to mind what we know to be true. We need to preach that to ourselves and rehearse the gospel and rehearse what is true of who God is and who we are in him to be able to to, um, speak back to that self-pity that can speak so loudly. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that you included that. And it just made me think of, you know, you, you're so right when you say that this is an applicable skill for all Christians, <laughs> whatever context, you know, maybe you may find yourself in, but it makes me think too of just, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones writing in his book, Spiritual Depression and talking about how that we're constantly just listening to ourselves talk in kind of a really passive way where we're not really actively involved in the self-talk going on in our head. It's just kind of the generic default ticker tape of whatever the mood is that we're in that day or whatever, you know, is going on in our heart at that time. And so I think there's so much hope in saying that we have the opportunity and the power to practice preaching to ourselves. Like it's a, it is truly a skill that we have to exercise and develop and, and know that it's for our good that we do so because that's the way out of the temptation to the downward spiral and to despair and hopelessness and, or even anger at God, right? The way, the way out is to get involved even in our self-talk and our, our thoughts and start talking gospel truth. And so thank you for helping to encourage the reader with that and, and giving them some practical tools for, for putting that practice um, to work in the devotional. We've got time for a couple more questions. And so I, I love that you close out the devotional by bringing the reader's attention to Revelation 19, 6 through 7. And I'm going to read that. It says, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. How does this scripture offer hope to the single Christian man or woman. I love that passage. And I think it is so important for us. Scripture talks about the Christian life as a race. And in a race, we need to know that there's going to be a finish line. And we need to know where that finish line is and what it's going to be. And so for us to know that the finish line is a wedding feast I think is so important for us to know, first of all, that we are, we have a destination and that that destination is something truly glorious and that these desires that are in us for, for marriage, for even a a beautiful wedding, like the dreams that I've had since a little girl of a beautiful wedding and the joy that, that I have in, in going to other weddings and seeing a feast laid out, dancing and celebrating and, um, you know, having a wonderful time rejoicing with one another. That is something that I think is wired in us to look forward to and to anticipate and the best of earthly weddings are only a foretaste of that heavenly wedding that we are headed for. And so I think there is something to look forward to in that. There's something to 
honor the desires that are inside of us and to say that, that, yeah, that it is a good desire. Marriage is a good thing. It's such a good thing that it is actually how God pictures his relationships between the relationship between Christ and the church and that we are all going to be part of that. Um, but I think it also can keep in perspective our desire for earthly marriage and remind us that earthly marriage is not the arrival. Earthly marriage is not um, the pinnacle of our experience. The pinnacle of our experience is going to be being seated at the banquet of the wedding feast of the lamb. And whether we ever get married on this earth or not, for those who are married on earth, they're going to be sitting right next to us as part of the bride of Christ. Um, and we are all going to be in that together. And um, I think there's a lot of hope in that. I think there's a lot of assurance in that. I think there's also um, a lot of just proper orientation of our perspective on earthly marriage and a reminder of what we are all ultimately hoping for and headed for. Before we close out, I'd like to invite you to do something I ask every guest of the Hope and Help podcast to do, which is to speak directly to our audience. There may be someone listening who is presently living life as a single Christian. Maybe they're going through a particularly discouraging season right now, and they feel as though God has failed them in some way. What would you say to encourage this listener with the hope and help of Jesus Christ? The first thing that I would say is that God sees you. You may not feel like it, but he sees you. He sees your pain. He sees the hurt. He sees the questions that you have. Um, he sees the longings that you have. And he invites you to bring those to him. And he will minister to those things. I would also say, remind you that something that we don't think about a whole lot is that Jesus is single and Jesus is someone who walked this earth and lived as a single man and new friendship and new um, close relationships with brothers and sisters. And we can look to his example in that, but he's also someone who knew longing, who knew lament, who cried out to God. Um, feeling forsaken even by his own heavenly father. And Jesus is waiting with us even now for his own wedding. As we just talked about um, his wedding to his bride, he is waiting with us right now for that day to come. And so God sees what you're going through. He sees your heart. He sees your questions. He sees your loneliness. And Jesus is with you in that. And I say that even to single women, um, because I think there's ways that we as women, it can be a little bit, it can take a little bit more work for us to think about how Jesus identifies with us. But dig into scripture, spend time with the Lord, spend time being honest with him. Even if you feel like he's failed you, you can tell him that he can take it and then rest in knowing that he is listening. He sees he's providing for you and then begin to look around at the spiritual family that he's placed around you and the things that he is inviting you into in this 
in this place, in this season, ways that you have opportunities to be anxious about the things of the Lord, as Paul says, um, be investing in relationships, be serving and caring for others, um, and let them do the same for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for those words of encouragement. I would love to let the listener know that if you are interested in learning more about Jenny Lynn's book, Singleness Living Faithfully, you can scroll down to the show notes, click the link there in the description, and that will take you to a page at IBCD's website where you can access all of that information. And Jenny Lynn, I've totally forgot to ask you this in the in the pre-show uh, chatter, but if there is someone who is interested in learning more about you and your ministry, do you have a website or anywhere where they can go to connect with you online? Um, I do have a blog um, where people are welcome to check that out. It is carefullychosen.wordpress.com. Um, so encourage, and there's some more, some more of my writing and, um, you can see I've been, been tossing around things about singleness for several years now. And uh, I've got some other resources and, and favorite other books and, and articles on singleness compiled there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for generously sharing that, even though I did not prepare you to. Um, so thank you for that. Well, all right. This was such a great conversation. I'm so thankful to have learned about you and your ministry and this book in particular. And I'm just grateful for you joining us for the show today. So thanks so much for, for sharing with us. Absolutely. It was wonderful talking with you, Christine. Thanks for your great questions. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.